Good morning, CBF. I hope that all of you have had a good Sunday morning so far. Uh, hopefully, all of you got together in your homes uh, and uh, were able to uh, spend some time uh, with your families. Maybe some of you virtually joining with others, giving thanks to the Lord, praising and worshiping and remembering the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Uh, it is my uh, privilege now to bring to you this morning the uh, the Word of God. Uh, and uh, these are very unusual times. And so uh, we want to see uh, what might the Lord be trying to teach us uh, during these very uh, interesting, unprecedented uh, uh, events that, uh, that we are all going through. Uh, so I'd like to take our thoughts this morning to the uh, epistle of James, the book of James, and we'll just read from uh, chapter 4, James chapter 4, and we'll read from verses 13 through 17. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, if you could open in your Bibles and follow along. James 4, 13 through 17 says this, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come together, even though we are in different places and different homes. We thank you that we are not bound by our location, we are not bound by our distance, uh, Lord, and that uh, you have given us access into your holy presence, Lord, at all times, Father. We just want to thank you, Lord, that uh, that we don't have to go through any other mediator, but there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And we come to you in the name of, the, of Christ Jesus this morning. And we ask, Father, that you will speak to us from your word as we delve into it lord as we as we apply it to our current situation lord we pray that each of our hearts might be prepared to examine ourselves lord examine our own lives not anybody else's but our own lives lord in the light of your word and that we might be willing lord to hear what your holy spirit has to say to us we ask for your blessing on this time together in the name of our lord and our savior jesus christ amen so this uh, passage that we that we read from the book of James, I believe, has really got a lot of relevance to these times that we are in. And what we are going through is, mm, well, I mean, it's really so unprecedented. You know, it's uh, it's something that uh, I certainly haven't seen it during my lifetime. Um, many of you much younger, uh, certainly you've not seen anything like this. Uh, and it impacts everybody all over the world. You know, of course, we've seen disasters, natural disasters, but it's always, you know, something that maybe doesn't impact us so 
directly and so closely, right? It was maybe an earthquake in Nepal or maybe a famine in Africa, uh, maybe a little closer to home, you know, the floods in Kerala a couple of years ago. Yeah, we were a little more impacted. There were there were people that we know, loved ones, parents, um, you know, siblings, others there who were impacted by us, close relatives. But again, we were all sitting in Bangalore, you know, away from the floods and all that. And, and uh, you know, it's, 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 it's really not the same, right? Now, here we have a situation that's global. I mean, it affects everybody. There's nobody uh, anywhere in the world that's not impacted by this. You know, even, uh, you know, just in the last week, you know, some of the, the rich and famous people, you know, the people who have everything, they've got all the money, they live in comfort, you think they would have the best of care and, and everything you need. Um, you know, just yesterday, the Prime Minister of Britain, a uh, couple of days before that, the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles, we've heard of actors and senators in the in the United States. And, and you know, it doesn't matter. This is a problem that uh, crosses all boundaries of uh, uh, of, uh, of social status, you know, it seems like it's affecting uh, people who are quite well off rather than uh, than even the poorest of people, right? So everybody is impacted uh, by this uh, coronavirus, and it's caused uh, unprecedented um, events such as churches shutting down. You know, I was talking to somebody just yesterday who was telling me that her mother, who is a, a devout Roman Catholic, was bemoaning the fact that uh, that uh, the churches were closed and she couldn't go to mass uh, but you know thank god that we don't need to go to mass we don't need to go anywhere we can approach god the throne of grace at any given at any time from any place and we don't have to go through a mediator a human mediator but um, you know uh, something and and this lady was saying that that uh, churches closing has never happened uh, in her lifetime, you know, even during the war times, churches stayed open. But here we are. Uh, what is God trying to tell us? You look at the the economy, you know, one of my, uh, well, I won't say favorite, but at least uh, a politician who keeps me quite entertained is uh, the president of the U.S., Donald Trump. You know, uh, just, uh, just in January, I mean, you're talking two months ago, uh, he was boasting that since he was elected in 2016, the stock market has has risen. Um, you know, the, the rise in the stock market was the highest it's ever been. Uh, now this man boasts a lot and, uh, you know, but today everything, all of those gains that were, that were, uh, that have happened since, uh, since Donald Trump got elected, okay, and since he came to office in early 2017, just three years later, it's all gone, just like that. Okay, it's the stock market is back where it was at that time, you know. And and I remember a tweet that he put out, and I read his tweets because they're somewhat entertaining. Uh, but uh, just in January, after the jobs report came out, he put out a big tweet in all capital letters saying "jobs, jobs, jobs." Well, uh, he was right. You know, the U.S. had the lowest unemployment rate in many generations, three and a half percent. That's almost full. Employment is what economists call it. And now, uh, you know, economists are saying that the unemployment in just a matter of weeks in just the United States could shoot up to 13%, maybe even as high as 20% because of the impact of the coronavirus. Uh, you know, in just one week, I, I saw a report this week that you know, one week ago, the, 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 the new jobless claims in the United States was somewhere in the range of 200,000.
uh, you know, that was two weeks ago. And just last week, it jumped up from about 200,000 to 3.3 million. And people are saying that doesn't even capture the, the total impact because a lot of the unemployment offices where people filed these requests were, were really uh, stuck falling behind and they couldn't keep up with the load. And so the actual number might be even higher. You know, I just want to read for you the, um, you know, editorial from a, from a newspaper, the Wall Street Journal on March 19th. And, and just listen to this. It says this, the costs of this national shutdown are growing by the hour. We mean a tsunami of economic destruction that will cause tens of millions to lose their jobs as commerce and production simply cease. Many large companies can withstand a few weeks without revenues, but that isn't true of millions of small and mid-sized firms. First, they will lay off employees and then out of necessity, they will shut down. Another month like this week and the layoffs will be measured in millions of people. So the whole world economy, as we know it, is coming apart. Uh, we are going to go into a big recession. All of this caused by a virus, right? That, that, that doesn't discriminate between nation, doesn't discriminate between social status, doesn't discriminate between uh, your race, your ethnicity. Um, it's just spreading from human to human, uh, causing a lot of panic. Uh, shutting down entire countries, you know, we are in the middle of this 21-day shutdown. And, you know, it, it impacts us as believers as well. We all, we all know that, you know, we are not immune to the impact of what is happening. We are not shielded uh, from the impact of the coronavirus, you know, though we should have, of course, more peace and less anxiety uh, at this time, because we know that God is with us. You know, he has promised to take care of us. You know, we are impacted. Uh, uh, you know, our, our brother, John Verghese, uh, who I hope is listening. I miss him in the front row there. Uh, but, you know, he has been preparing for many, many months to go to Chhattisgarh to teach uh, there in the classes for Truth and Life Academy. And we had to cancel that. Um, you know, brother, our uh, own family, our, our elders, our family uh, in that faraway land who went there to minister, you know, they were telling us how they had planned so many things to meet up with with uh, with people and now uh, you know they're under lockdown quarantine they can't go anywhere and do any of this and so you know we have plans all good plans plans done prayerfully um you know um, some of us have maybe money that we invested that has lost value money perhaps that we were even tr setting aside to use for the lord and and that value, that money and those investments have lost value 10%, 15%, 20%. You know, we are not immune to any of this. You know, this crisis, unlike any other, is a big reminder to us of how little control we have uh, over life. You know, and, uh, and this is something that we need to take to heart. You know, God, in his wisdom, has created a situation where we have no choice but to take a pause to stop all of the activity that we're doing the busyness the um you know all the million things that we were engaged in just a week ago just two weeks ago uh, god has created the situation where we have to pause we have no choice but to pause and take stock and focus on the essentials of life you know whereas uh, a few weeks ago you know many of us had 
not few weeks ago, a few days ago, you know, we had our maids coming in to clean our houses. Uh, you know, we could just run out anytime we wanted and get food. You know, the last few days we've been focused on, you know, oh my goodness, I got to clean my own house. Okay. Uh, uh, or, uh, you know, how do I get milk or how do I get water? Uh, you know, how do I get vegetables? Uh, you know, praise God, we've been able to manage, but but it's it's just changed our whole thinking. You know, we're focused on the on the basic essentials of life. We don't care about all those other things, those other problems and things that we thought were problems. They've sort of faded away, right? So this morning, I want to ask us to think, you know, what is God trying to teach us by what is happening? You know, and, and very often we, we tend to uh, think that when these things happen and normally our prayers are, Lord, pray that this might cause many unbelievers to come to you. They might think about... Uh, you know, salvation and they might respond to the gospel. Well, nothing wrong with that. We want people at all times everywhere to respond to the gospel and come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, let's not worry about them. Okay, I want us this morning to focus on what does the Lord want to teach us. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate all the activity that's going on, you know, with this 21 days of challenge. It's it's really heartening to see how everybody seems to be connecting and have a zeal to connect with each other much more than perhaps when we were meeting. Um, and that's all great, you know, but, um, you know, uh, is, um, uh, is that all there is? You know, I want us to, um, you know, I want us to, to think about uh, the, the very uh, foundations of our life. You know, I want us to think about what is it that drives our decisions? You know, if all we did was do a lot of activities for 21 days or a month or however long the situation is going to last, uh, you know, it, it's really uh, not, uh, you know, it's not going to be worth it, right? So, so we, need to, we need to think about what are the changes that we need to make? What is God trying to tell you and what is God trying to tell me uh, about our own lives, our own outlook on life? And in this passage that we just read, which we'll come to now, James Chapter 4, verse 13 and 17, you know, let's just go back to the purpose of the book of James. The book of James is, is a very practical book. Uh, and its purpose is to show what does true faith look like? You know, what does true faith look like? How, uh, how should true faith practically operate in the life of a believer? What does it look like? What does true faith look like when we are going through uncertainty like we are today? What does it look like when we are going through trials and problems in our life? What does it look like when we are dealing with other believers, uh, when we are handling problems? Um, but more importantly, you know, for our context today, what should true faith look like when we are in normal times? You know, sometimes when we are in normal times, things are going good. Uh, you know, we don't worry so much about, about what, uh, what is going on, about God, about what the Lord's will is, uh, and we just go on. And, and it's times like these that make us sort of step back and and realize, you know, uh, things such as, you know, that we, the things, uh, facts such as that we don't have much control over life. Uh, it makes us realize the brevity of life. It makes us really come down to the fundamentals and, and examine ourselves. But we need to examine ourselves. We need to change. And then we need to apply those changes, even when things, uh, you know, come back to normal. Um, and, and James is very direct and blunt. Okay. James, uh, in his whole epistle, he doesn't mince any words. In chapter 1, verse 26, you know, he talks about a person who doesn't control his tongue. Uh, 
uh, doesn't bridle his tongue. He says, he says this person's religion is useless. Uh, in um, chapter 3, verse 15, he talks about earthly wisdom that, that a lot of people, and he's writing here to believers, you know, not to unbelievers. He says that this kind of wisdom, okay, and he's talking about believers who have bitter envy and self-seeking in their hearts. And he says this kind of wisdom is earthly, it is sensual, it is demonic. Okay, in chapter 4, verse 4, James is talking about uh, believers who are focused on earthly pleasures and attitudes and are fighting with each other. They are warring with each other, he says. And, and here's how he addresses them. He says, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And so James uh, is, uh, is someone, uh, an apostle who doesn't mince any words. He tells it like it is and he's, he's, he, he speaks his mind. And in this passage that we just read, uh, what James describes exactly the way the world is, and it definitely was a month ago. You know, I'm going to go to this city. Uh, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to buy so much property. I Look at everything that I'm worth. See how many houses I have. You know, entrepreneurship was just booming, right? Uh, and, and people were making plans, even believers, we as believers were making plans for the future and plans for our career and plans for our children and plans for this and plans for that. You know, look at the attitudes and the outlook of life that James describes here. And I want us, as we go through this message here this morning, to evaluate our own lives. How were we living before this coronavirus pandemic, uh, you know, uh, came upon us? before this crisis you know i want us to confess how wrong we have been each of us and resolve to change our outlook of life even when this crisis is behind us and the crisis will at some point be behind us but it'll be a shame if we don't you know nothing changes in our lives you know and in james chapter 4 verses 1 to 12 uh, which we're not going to look at this morning but james talks about problems caused by pride the fighting the warring the lusting and things that come from pride and how God wants us to be humble. You know, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride causes fights among us. Pride causes uh, conflicts among us. Pride leads to worldliness. Pride causes us to speak evil of each other and judge each other illegitimately. And now in this, in this passage, uh, you know, in, in verses 13 to 17 of James chapter 4, uh, he's talking about how in our lives, we in very subtle ways take the place of God or rather we don't give God his due. You know, and we do this often without even realizing it. You know, we think we're just skating through. We're just, uh, you know, we're on autopilot. We're going through life and we're making decisions with all kinds of worldly perspectives. And we're not thinking about, well, does the Lord really want me to do this? Is this what the Lord wants me to study? Is this the kind of job the Lord wants me to do? Is this how the Lord wants me to spend my time? No, you know, we're looking at all kinds of worldly factors to decide to make these decisions, you know, and, uh, and we get ourselves busy. And now the Lord has given us this opportunity to just stay at home, you know, uh, and looking at all the activity on, on some of these groups. It seems like many of you have a lot of spare time on your hands. Uh, you know, and uh, and you got to think yourself, you know, how, how did I get so much spare time? You know, what was I doing before that I didn't have it, right? Uh, what should I be doing differently? Uh, so, you know, taking the place of God or not giving God his due in how we make day-to-day -day decisions and how we live our lives is not a mark of 
proper faith or of strong faith. You know, the person who lives by faith, he doesn't take the place of God. He gives God his due. So with that context and background, let's turn to the, uh, to the, uh, the passage of scripture here. And uh, uh, I just want to look at two different aspects here. You know, first of all, the problem, you know, so the problem here, as I said, is making ourselves the final authority over our lives. Okay, making ourselves, making yourself, making myself the final authority over our lives and taking God completely out of the picture or, or, or almost completely out of the picture. Yes, we do pray, we do, you know, ask God this or that or, or get invoke God's name at least. Um, you know, and, and, and do these things because we are conditioned to do that or we're used to it or, or whatever. You know, that's the way we've been brought up. But very often we as believers, when we think about the way we make decisions, the way we think, the way we go about our lives, you know, the fact is that we really don't give God his due. And uh, again, I want to look at two aspects. First of all, how do we take God out of the picture? And that's in verse 13. Okay, how do we take God out of the picture or not give God his due. And secondly, in verses 14 through 16, you know, why is this not the right approach for a believer? Why is this not the right approach for a believer? First of all, how do we take God out of the picture? So when we look at, uh, at this passage again, uh, verse 13, it says, Come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Okay, um, so what what is happening here is that, you know, how do we take God out of the picture? First of all, we choose our own times and our schedules selfishly. Okay, today or tomorrow, right? Come now, you will say today or tomorrow. Oh, well, I want to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it day after tomorrow. You know, I'm not even seeking what does the Lord want. So we choose our own time and our schedules selfishly. We choose how to spend our own time. We choose what to spend it. And then secondly, you select the location that pleased you. You know, come uh, you uh, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. Okay, I decide on my own. You know, I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to do this. I want to do that. Okay, you select the location that you please. And then you decide how long you're going to do it. You decide, you know, that I'm going to go to this city or that city and I'm going to spend a year there. All right. So choosing your own time and, and, and schedule selfishly, selecting the location that, please, that pleases you, limiting your stay or extending your stay to please yourself. And then we arrange activities for our own benefits and our pleasure. And here we see he's using as an example of this, this, this person uh, who says, I'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there and I will buy and sell. Okay, and I will, uh, you know, I will buy and sell. I will arrange activities that that benefit me. I will run a business. You know, I will buy a property. Uh, I will go and study this and study that because I'm going to make this much money. And then he, then uh, this person also, he predicts and boasts about the profit that he's going to make. You know, I'm going to start this business and I'm going to do it here from there and I'm going to do it for, for this long. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and I'm going to buy and sell and then I'm going to make a profit. So it's a very just put all this together and the, the, the point here is about the attitude, the attitude with which, you know, and, and what we might be doing in our lives may not exactly match this particular illustration, but this is just an illustration, right? Uh, and this is not a criticism of wise planning, but of planning with no regard for God and no place for him 
and his will. Just think back to all the things, the decisions that you have made, you know, decisions about where you're going to go, where you're going to work, what kind of job, what kind of education for all of you young people, what kind of subject you're going to study, okay, or what kind of job you're going to take, what kind of a flat or an apartment or a house you're going to buy. Um, Proverbs 19.21 says, there are many plans in a man's heart, nevertheless the Lord's counsel that will stand. And Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. You know, are your thoughts and plans being established? Established means, you know, solidified, you know, they're solid. Okay. And what is it that is solid is if you commit your works to the Lord, are your thoughts and plans being established based on the word of God or based on your own worldly thinking? How do we make these decisions about what we do with our money, about how we spend our time, about, uh, you know, all kinds of decisions we make in, in, um, uh, in our lives. And then, you know, I want to take us to this, this parable that the Lord Jesus said, you know, think about how we, uh, you know, how we lay up treasures or where we lay up treasures. You know, Luke chapter 12, if we can turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. And uh, here Jesus is presenting the, uh, the parable of the, the rich fool, as he, as he calls him. Uh, Luke 12 and verse um, 16. Uh, and I'm just going to read this. It says, then he spoke, that is, Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops. Now, here is a man who's boastful. is just like that man who's used in the illustration in, in, in James chapter 4. You know, he says, I have no room to store my crops. My, my, my fields are yielding so much in plenty. What am I going to do? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Look at how many times this man uses the word I. I will do this. I will pull down my barns. I will build greater ones. I will say to my soul, I will store all my crops. You know. Uh, eat, drink, and be merry, and so on. But then, here's what God says to this man. Uh, he says, but God said to him, okay, in response to this boastful pride of his, he says, fool, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, whose will all these things be which you have provided? He says, you know what? You're doing all this. You're going to die tonight. This will be the end of your life. Yes, you might have bigger bonds and you might be thinking that you can be merry and live for a long time and enjoy all this wealth, but you won't be around to enjoy it. And then he gives the punchline or the lesson. Uh, does the Lord Jesus in verse 21, he says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, God doesn't want us to lay up treasures for ourselves. You know, he doesn't want us to accumulate uh, a lot of wealth well, for ourselves, he want us, wants us to lay up treasures in heaven. You know, that was a rich fool. Let me ask you this, you know, how do you make decisions? Is God in the picture? And go back to the before this, this situation, you know, uh, situations about your job, situations about what college you go to, or what courses you study, why you're studying them, what is the, the goal of your life? Uh, about about marriage how do you make those decisions are you looking for who can 
you know, I want to marry somebody who can earn an income so that I can have a great lifestyle rather than somebody who can, you know, who, who, who is spiritually minded, who can help me build uh, up a family that honors God, that reflects the relationship between Christ and the church that will allow me to, that will be a ministry partner to me. Um, how do we make decisions about investments? Uh, how do we make uh, decisions about, about the housing, the kind of, uh, you know, how much money we spend on our housing and on, on buying properties? You know, so many believers just keep accumulating properties. Well, what is all that property worth today? You know, what are the dreams that are driving our decision making, your decision making, my decision making? Is it dreams of comfort and affluence and gathering stuff? that we can leave to our children. You know, so many people are accumulating houses so they have houses for their children. I've talked about this before. Taking God out of the picture. That's the way many of us live our lives if we go out. You know, we don't have time for the Lord. You know, we have time for work. We have time for pleasure. We have time for meeting with friends. We have time for all of these things. But we don't have time to go to the word of God and study the word of God. So second point, let's go to why is this not the right approach for a believer and we find that in verse 14 through 16 and it says uh, back to James chapter 4 verse 14 through 16 says whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life it is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we shall live and do this or that but now your boast but now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil why is this not the right approach for a believer? Number one, the future is uncertain. We are learning that today. We do not know that we would all be stuck in our houses today. Just a week ago or 10 days ago or a month ago for sure. You do not know what will happen today or tomorrow. Unexpected events can change your life, can append life as we know it. We are seeing that before our very eyes. Secondly, we do not know how long we will live. What is your life? He says, it is uh, even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. A puff of smoke disappearing into the air. God can take our lives at any point in time. We can lose our lives at any point in time. So many thousands all over the world dying because of this virus. And people die for all kinds of other reasons, much more than this virus. Every day by road accidents, by, uh, you know, all kinds of events, all kinds of illnesses. Okay. You know, we just heard of a, a young man, 19 years old this week from, uh, you know, I assume he's a brother in Christ, uh, just died 19 years old of a heart attack. We do not know how long we're going to live. You do not know how long we're going to, you're going to live. I do not know how long I'm going to live. We need to factor that into our decision-making horizon. You know, I should not be planning for what's going to happen years and years and years ahead. We cannot ignore God's will. He says uh, here that, uh, but instead, uh, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We cannot ignore the Lord's will. And, and he's not here saying about some formula, you know, that says, uh, oh, Lord willing. You know, people sometimes have this thing in, in the Gulf and all they use, uh, you know, this term, inshallah. You know, I'll see you tomorrow, inshallah. Okay, he's not talking about just flippantly, uh, you know, attaching the Lord's will to whatever we want to do. It's, it's that, uh, that, you know, we need to discern the will of the Lord in everything we do, even in how we spend our time. 
in every decision that we make, you know, what is the Lord wants? First of all, he wants you to be saved. And I want to urge anybody here listening to me today. If you do not know Christ as Savior, that's the number one thing that you need to do is, is, is go and confess your sins and, and ask the Lord to forgive you and, and trust completely in his finished work on the cross of Calvary. He wants you and me to be spirit filled to be full of the spirit. He wants you and me to study his word. And we've talked about that. He wants you and me to be sanctified, to stay pure. He wants us to suffer for the sake of Christ. You know, and then he closes it out by saying, but now you boast in your arrogance. He's summarizing the way we behave. He's saying that playing God, not giving God his due, not thinking about what is the will of God in your life is boasting. And, and boasting in this way is arrogant. And he says it is evil. We are to submit to God and to his will and take and not take his place in our life. We are to give him his due. What do the way that we have been, that you and I have been making plans for our lives say about us? Have we been arrogant? Have we been thumbing our noses at God? Maybe not directly. You know, we would not do that perhaps because of the way we've been brought up or whatever. But we have been doing it indirectly, saying to God, God, you have no place in my life. You know, I do not want to get up in the morning and spend time in your word. Okay, I can't because I'm not a morning person or I'm too busy or, you know, whatever the reason is, what are you doing? What are you saying when you take that attitude? You're telling God, you know what? You have no place in my life. You are not a priority in my life. When you don't spend time in prayer, you're saying you are just not that important. I have 20 other important things that I want to do. And he closes it out in verse 17. He says, therefore, let him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. If we know that this is wrong, if we know that this is not good, if we know what is the good and the right thing to do and we still don't do it, he says, this is a sin to you. We are living in sin. If we are not giving God the due place in our lives. It's not right for us as believers, dear brother, dear sister. To take the place of God, to not give him his due in how we plan our lives, in how we make decisions, in how we spend our time. To do this is wrong. It is sin. How do we stop this dangerous practice, you know, in our lives? First of all, study the word of God. Use this time that God has given you to pause. And I'm so... Uh, happy to see that, you know, many of you signed up for those 21 day challenge sessions on doctrine and uh, an inductive Bible study and all that. That's that's great. Use this time to kindle an interest in the study of God's word. God has been speaking to us on this for the past few weeks through the messages that we've heard. Know the right thing to do. Know what is the good thing that God wants you to do. Evaluate your life based on the word of God and start doing the right thing. Study God's word. Practice it in your life. Make God an important part. Make his will an important part of your decision-making process. Let this circumstance that we are going through be a reason to take a pause and re-examine our own life and submit to God's will in every area of your life. Consider his word and priorities in all of our planning. Be a doer of the word as James says in chapter 2. Be a doer of the law rather than just listening, a listener. Focus on your own life and not on the lives of others. You know, this crisis is going to pass. You know, life may well return to normal, maybe in a week, maybe in 10 days, uh, in, in, in a month, maybe in a few months. I don't know. 
Only God knows. You know, we do not know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. But it will pass and we will adjust as we always do and we're going to move on. You know, what a shame it would be if this crisis does not produce any change in your life and my life as believers. What a shame it would be if we just went back to making decisions the same way. We just went back to living our life by worldly standards. If we just go back to not giving God a place in your life and my life. By not giving any place to his word in our decision making. By living our lives. If we just go back to living our lives by the standards of the world seeking, world seeking its comforts and material wealth. You know, my prayer today is that that would not be the case with you and it would not be the case with me. That this morning we would just take pause and examine everything about my life, starting from, you know, am I really a child of God to am I living my life according to the will of God? And the will of God is clearly revealed to us in his word. Am I studying the word so that I understand the word, the will of God? And so I can apply it in all of these day to day decisions. You know, God didn't call us to live a compartmentalized life, you know, the spiritual life and then the worldly life, things of the world. No, we've got to integrate all of that. The word of God needs to infuse every area of our lives. And I want to encourage every one of you, dear brother, dear sister, please think about this. Think about what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning. And let's re-examine ourselves. Let's examine ourselves and, and, and commit to changing the way we think the way we go about our lives when we are past this crisis because i think that's what god is calling us to this morning and through this time and my prayer is that the lord may enable each of us to do that let's close in prayer heavenly father we want to thank you lord for your word and thank you lord that it is so relevant to us in every day and every time it is living and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword lord we just thank you lord for reminding us again of how we need to live our lives by giving you the right place by seeking your will by studying your word lord and making it real and making it the driver of our decisions not our own desire not our lustful desire not worldly principles and uh, and uh, and philosophies lord and i just want to pray for every person here pray for myself and pray for everyone lord every 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 brother every sister every family that they would resolve father to live their lives in a manner that brings glory to you that gives you father the place in their lives and your word the priority in their lives that their families would be founded their lives would be founded built on the foundation of the word of god father so that it might withstand the the uh, the floods and the storms lord uh, that 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 are coming our way father we just want to give you all praise and glory i want to thank you for the cbf family thank you we can get together in this way even at this during these difficult times lord and give you and come together and listen to your word father we praise you and worship you once more and we thank you above all for our savior the lord jesus christ we ask these things in his most precious and holy name amen